0: This is the Indie Freedom Podcast with your host, Chris Sharma. Welcome to another episode of Indie Freedom, the July 4th edition. Uh, Our guest today is an actor, writer, creative director, and now filmmaker. You've seen her on shows such as 30 Rock and as Seema Nadim in season 3 of Daredevil. Shanita Desponde, how are you?
1: Hi. Namaste, my half-Indian brother. Namaste. There are one
0: and a half Indians on this call. Um, (laughs) Starting off strong. Um, Awesome. So, yeah, we have a lot of uh, stuff. to. Actually, we'll just start with the Indian thing. Um, Starting off, obviously, as an actor uh, in an Indian household, uh, unusual choice, right, To, to say the least. When did you first get drawn to acting and realize, like, hey, this is the career for me?
1: Uh, I would say I was in kindergarten. It was my first day of kindergarten, and I was just, like, mesmerized by story time. I remember she opened the book, and the whole world stopped, and my kindergarten teacher read us a story, and um, I loved it. I loved every second of it, and I think that's when I just, I just knew I was drawn to storytelling. That's all I knew.
0: I feel like that's uh, pretty common with artists. It's like, you know, pretty early on, and it takes a while for you just to, 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 solidify it and say it to yourself but you know that's the thing that you were you were born to do
1: yeah um, yeah t- totally
0: so obviously okay so growing up uh and then when we met at the university of florida uh, doing improv at the mm-hmm. theater strike force group um was that your first time doing improv and, and acting or had you done any performance prior to that
1: Uh, no, it wasn't my first time. Um, actually I would say that anybody who didn't feel like they fit in in high school or middle school, if you had a good drama program, we didn't. Um, I was just always play acting around the house. I think my grandmother saw it when I was a child and, uh, she just was like, watch this movie. I remember she did that. And I was like, what movie is this? This silly lady twirling around on the Hill. And it was, uh, it was a sound of music. And I think it was just because grandparents, a lot of times, you know, the parents are the poor things they're trying to keep their kid alive um but (laughs) grandparents i think are like hmm they have this quality or they have that quality that and apparently my grandfather used to act quite a bit in shakespearean plays i know of course my mom says this to me like off the cuff one day and then she's like oh yeah your mom your grandma used to just walk around quoting oscar wilde and i'm like my favorite writer i'm sorry what like i have memorized oscar wilde quotes so it lives in your blood, and I think my grandmother just saw me saying to my parents, like, the show will be at 8 tonight, dinner theater, you know, and my grandma was like, this girl's, this girl's an actress, and so she, she made me watch of music, and I remember just thinking it was going to be awful, and the puppet show part, I was like, I got an awesome grandma. She gets me. And I was in love with that movie. And I I wanted to do what Julie Andrews did. I wanted to run around and sing and dance and, yeah, tell a story. Um, but, yeah, when we met at University of Florida, um, I had done thespians in high school. And my favorite part of thespians um, and drama uh, was just the escape uh, from being different. And then um, when I got to UF, I had done enough improv where a friend of mine had said, you know, there's an improv troupe at UF. You might want to consider joining it. And so... Uh, improv was kind of always like my little gateway drug to, to acting.
0: That's awesome. And it's great that you had a supportive uh, family member, cause, you know, a lot of times, especially in, yeah. with Indian families, I know at least in my house, it was like, okay, doctor, engineer, yes. computer scientist.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's definitely that funny internet meme that uh, the dad is saying, it's not pronounced doctor, beta. Uh, it's not pronounced actor, beta. It's pronounced doctor, um, which is like, this internet meme that all the Indian friends share. But um, yeah, it's, I'm very lucky. My parents were not at all thrilled about me. I had won some scholarships for full rides for acting and they were just like, absolutely not, which I understand that any immigrant would ever say. Um, And they said, find a job that is going to make you money. But a lot of my friends were kind of forced to become doctors. Um, I'm pretty lucky. They just told me to find something that would be a solid linear path um, to make money. And feed myself,
0: basically. That's awesome. And so obviously, I uh, <laughs> got into advertising. Um, yes. And so you went to Miami Ad School and then mm-hmm. ended up in New York City, which is a perfect place for both acting and advertising, so a, a great uh, marriage. Um, what was yeah. that like your, your early days in New York? Um, I know it's probably even as an early advertiser a lot of hustle and struggling.
1: Yeah, it is a lot of hustle and struggling. Um, actually, one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard um, told to younger actors or people who aren't doing it in, in a college degree, I've heard people say, go, go to college, get a business degree or get an MBA. And then do acting classes at night um, because that business side of you is going to inform everything I've learned about, especially the industry of what Hollywood is um, and where how, how to work full time as an actor. It is all business strategy. Uh, I don't think people talk about it enough. I think people just think they're artists and running around the streets like they're they're in fame or something like that. <laughs> and I guess part of it is that, right? It's that great feeling. But the people I know who have been very, very successful have had a business strategy that they could implement Um, or very rich, you know, parents or sugar daddy or sugar mama or sugar boo. Um, But if you don't have that, um, you really have to set up a system and a business that's going to support you. So I went into advertising because I really liked ideas. I did about five internships. Um, And then eventually, I landed a full-time job in New York City, and the goal was to be able to do advertising in the daytime and improv at night. Um, And I did that for quite a while, and it was a lot of hustling. But it was incredible because I was at UCB in a time that it was kind of like a glory days time, I feel. And um, a lot of people who have now really excelled i mean i'm talking like aziz uh john mulaney i would work on a show called liquid courage back then as an intern that's actually how i met donald glover back then um and he was writing he had just gotten a job writing for 30 rock and that's how i actually got my first part because he had emailed me one day um and just said hey there's a walk-on role we're interested in looking for an indian girl to play it And I ended up on the show, which was the day I was like, I just need to do this with my life because this is like the best feeling in the world. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Um, And that's great to be, I think, I think that's a, a, you make actually a couple of great points here. Number one, the idea of having a a business strategy and really making a real plan. I know I I Mm -hmm. struggled with this a lot. I think only in the past couple, two or three years have been like, okay, approach this like a business because Mm -hmm. what happens is people like. End up in sort of either dead end jobs that they're miserable at. Yeah,
1: they
0: have no money, and then they just burn out, and they're like, "I don't want to do this anymore."
1: Right? Yeah, I'm
0: tired of being so broke. But yeah. if you can support yourself, like then it then it's a, a lifetime game. Like there's no yes. end to it if you can like be okay rather than like, "Oh man, I'm I'm 45 and I've got 10 roommates <laughs> and you know like I'm eating ramen noodles." Like yeah, that's miserable. But yeah. if you can you know support yourself enough to have a normal lifestyle. And and I think you're you're totally right too. This this myth of like I don't know I just was like floating along and lightning struck. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so bullshit. Like that doesn't happen. That's not real. And then the actors that pretend like I don't even like not acting. Hot. It's like you don't get to that no, level without being no. super focused. Like it's Do all an act.
1: No, that's all an act, too. And it's so funny when you said lightning strikes, because it's It's like incredible timing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's so funny. A lot of times, like I'll read these articles and they're like, yeah, I was just like, you know, walking down the street and someone was like, hey, you and I became famous. And I'm like, what street was that? Like, was that Denial Street? Like, what street were you on? Like, because watch out for there's some bullshit on Denial Street you're going to step into. But like, no. No, you know, everything is, is spun. Everything you read in Star Magazine or any of these, I don't even read them, but anything you read, somebody has crafted that. Like everything is a lie. And um, the stories of people just getting discovered, those, okay, once in a while, absolutely, those happen. Like those are outlier stories for sure. They happen. Well, for the most part, I think we were talking about this too. You were saying like some actors are like, I just want to ride my horses, man. Right. I don't want to like do this. Like it's if you untorture. wanted to really ride your horses, go out and ride your horses, boo. Yeah, go, no, go ride your No horses, one's stopping you. Know? you. Yeah, go no, back to the talking. ranch. I'm sure a lot of actors will be happier going and riding that horse because they want your job, you know? So right. yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny how, um, how there's so many things that are are crafted for us to believe and how quickly a lot of people do but every time i read them i'm like huh so-and-so got into a fight with so-and-so in the middle of a uh you know store and oh isn't that interesting they're having a movie coming out this week as well oh isn't that you know there's all the fake controversies and yeah. yeah like it's like yeah, you're doing this on purpose. So I think that's I think it's hilarious and fascinating. But I do think the public and especially as having an advertising background, um as like as everyone is uh on social media and everything, everybody knows now I think there's so much more marketing savvy about this kind of stuff that yeah. yeah, Cardi B got into a fight with somebody, no, this is how all like this has all been like planned. planned. Yeah, I remember yeah. the first time I
0: saw paparazzi in real life and I was like, Oh my god, and I remember yeah. going to one, it was, I think it was when Britney Spears was at her peak. So there were like okay. 50 paparazzi, a helicopter, police cars. <laughs> and I went to one of the guys right. I'm like, have you guys been following her all day? And the guy was like, yeah. oh no, they called us.
1: Yeah. Like the publicist called
0: them to yeah. like harass, you know what I mean? It's like, how could yeah. you possibly, like you get arrested if you were just following people around to their house all day. You know, it's yeah, like, it's all it's all scripted. But um, you have
1: to get up in the morning, get your hair blown out, get your right. outfit made, get your you know your mascara running in the right way. I mean, it's everything is an act. Um, and then you call the paparazzi to make sure they're going to be there, so you can be like, no, no, stop it. And um, <laughs> and then you get your shot. You know, yeah. So
0: funny. Um, okay, awesome. So yeah, you're in. Obviously, first part thirty rock. What a way to debut. And then. At that point, I know like you had started training in the Meisner technique. Yes. Um, how did that influence your work going through all
1: that? So um, it was interesting. With 30 Rock, I actually called in sick, six, which I never ever did to my day job. Um, I was on my computer that day, and my Linksys was somehow working. I didn't couldn't afford Wi-Fi, but it was working at my house that day on a Sunday, and Donald had asked me to come in on Monday. Um, shot. It was the best day ever. So much fun. I couldn't even believe I was like near Tina Fey. It was like, it was the coolest thing in the world. And, um, I just was sitting there on that chair and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you know, my parents, well meaningly enough, were, were like, it's going to be hard. It would be just a really tough life. It would not feel that great when it happens. It's, I'm sitting there in the chair on set and I was like, this is the best feeling in the whole world. Like, I feel like I'm marrying the love of my life right now. This is amazing. Uh, it was, just felt like energy. Like, it just felt, it just felt good. And I just was like, okay, all right. Um, and I didn't tell my parents and my mom, they go to bed early, my parents, but somehow she flipped on a TV at nine 30 and it was my face on there. Um, and she was like, her friends were like, Oh my God, they started calling and she was like, okay, I guess my daughter was just on TV. Uh, this is really weird. Um, and I think once my parents were like this, this is a possibility. And I was like, this is a possibility. I started to really look at the actors that super duper hype me up, get me excited, make me jump for joy. Re- I respect. And, um, I really started looking at the work that Steve Carell had done, especially in um, Little Miss Sunshine, mm. because uh, I was such a fan of him from um, John Stewart, Daily Show, everything. Um, I loved his deadpan whole thing. Um, but then the amount of um, sincerity he had in that role in Little Miss Sunshine, playing um, a gay man <laughs> who was heartbroken, I just I couldn't believe that somebody that funny could be that grounded and... Uh, intense and sad and I mean it was just amazing. So I was like, I wanna do the kind of work that he's doing. Um and then I also thought about it a little bit more on the other person that really impressed me was John C. Riley. Um, because he can do the same thing. The right. guy's been on Broadway, he can sing, he's Dr. Steve brule which is like my favorite character on Tim and Eric. It's just so wild and crazy, um and silly. Um and but then he's like in movies like Cedar Rapids. I mean he just the guy can do everything. Um, so those are the two people that I went, I would really like to be able to do what they're doing. How are they doing it? I was improv girl bouncing off the walls, you know, so young and bubbly and just like crazy and not listening. And um, I, a manager told me, she said, I have a lot of people right now. I was looking at managers. She said, I have a lot of people right now who end up on set um, because they either booked on a look because they were exceptionally attractive or exceptionally strange looking, whatever it is. They get on a, on, a, on a set and then she says because they don't have that training and they booked on a look, they will call me from set crying because they have no idea how to break down a script. how to." And she said there's a woman who's a very good Meisner teacher named Maggie Flanagan. I suggest her, looking into her. I looked at her. I looked at Esper. I looked at a couple of other places. But I kept coming back to her studio. When I went to interview with her, I just realized that this is the person that I would really want to study with her and Charlie Sandlin were teaching there. And um, they were, it was, it was very difficult. My first year was very difficult, as you will know with Meisner. Um, Especially the listening for me was really hard. I think it's so common. I had the same experience,
0: that same experience year, year one, horrible. Horrible, and I, and horrible. I was, and I was okay with it because I was like, I'm a, I'm a comedian. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay being bad. It didn't like affect my self esteem. Because there were some actors that, in there that were like, they'd have a bad scene, like, I, what am I doing with my life? I'm like, yeah, I got a show at the Ha Ha Cafe in an hour. I don't, I don't care.
1: That's good that you. Have.
0: You know, but then, I was like, the you,
1: other actor.
0: Did you, did you have a moment? Oh, and just for those of you, that are like, what the hell are they talking about? The Meisner technique is developed by Sanford yeah. Meisner. Um, and the two big problems he found not listening yes. and being self-conscious. So like the, all the exercises are for that. A lot of big actors, Robert Duvall, the people, you know, came through. Oh,
1: she loves, Maggie loves Robert Duvall, by the He's way. Incredible. She always talks about it. He's, He's so good.
0: He's good. Yeah. He's never bad. He's never bad.
1: Consistent. Yeah.
0: Um. And did you have a moment, like a, a certain exercise in Miser where yes. you're like, I got it? Yes. What, what was it? What was your exercise?
1: It had been, okay, so this is seriously like, I'm going to be honest. It had been a year, and I was like, What the fuck am I doing? And I would go home, and I would just like <laughs> drink a glass of whiskey and go to bed. Like, just beating down. <laughs> because. I think in life, when you really want something, and then you go for it, right? Like, this is the only thing you've ever wanted with your life, and you actually go toward it. It's like, if I fuck this up, I have nothing to live for, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm fucking up acting. I'm like, I thought I could be able to do it. I can't. They were, like, telling me to take it in. I was like, you take it in. Um, oh, I used to hate that.
0: that Send we- it. Take it in. I'm like, I am. Like, and they're like, no, nah, nah.
1: What an email. <laughs> Um, there ended listening was really hard cause somebody be like, you know, like we said, like you're wearing a blue shirt, I'm wearing a blue shirt. Yeah. You're wearing a blue shirt to me. I couldn't even pick up on what that meant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there was one exercise. We had a hundred thousand dollars to spend on anything we want. And then by the end of the week, you had to come back and say what it would be. It can't be you. It has to be for someone you care about or love. And, um, I started talking about my sister was dating this guy at the time and, um, I really liked them together. I thought they were great together. Um, and I said that, uh, they, and they both are teachers, so they don't have very much money. And I said, I would throw them an incredible wedding. And I just broke down the wedding, what it would be what kind of music and you have to really like put all the you have to really think about what you do hundred thousand dollars and I'd, I said because they've true love and it's very difficult to still find these days or something like I didn't even know what happened but all of a sudden this like hiccup came from my like stomach and I was like, <laughs> this like just tears and um that's when you realize like what has meaning to you. You know, it's very fascinating. It's like my body kind of betrayed me, you know, yeah. cause for a year, I think especially if you work at a corporate job, you're just like, especially as a woman, a woman of color, you're like, no one's gonna make me cry. I'm strong, right. you know, fuck you. Like you have to be strong. If you cry in a meeting, like in New York and advertising, like people look at you, you're done. And I saw so many women who did and people would judge them. It was unfortunate, but it's true. Um, and it's not right and there were so many days i would have it up to here and i would just hold it together and i'd never let them see me cry because it just it's just, it's a they won if they in my opinion it's not healthy but that's what i did so i go home and drink um but <laughs> but yeah it was for a year i was like no one's going to see me cry i'm too strong to cry i'm not vulnerable like and it took a year to break they I mean Meisner tries to break you down. Yeah. And they finally if finally just I started bawling and people came up to me after class and they were like, Oh my gosh, it's so sweet that you care about your sister or something. So that was a really cool moment. That was that was definitely my breakthrough. The walls broke down and things yeah. opened up for me there.
0: And that's great. Yeah, I had similar kind of experience. Like I had a couple moments first year where I'd like get a little emotional, but not really. Yeah. And then Yeah. When it became real, I think we were doing impediments. It's like pretty far mm. in, you know? And I was like, I've been sucking for <laughs> all, months and months. I'm like, I was like, hey, guys, uh, you might want to go get a snack or something. This is going to be horrible. But the, so for funny. the impediments, like, and, um, for those of you, like, what are they talking about? Again, like the impediments, is like you take on a physical or, or verbal or mental yeah. kind of uh, stat, state and you see yeah. how that affects your body. And I, I'd been in the hospital like a year before and the guy that was in the room with me had a traumatic brain injury. So I talked to this guy for hours and hours. So like I got like his speech pattern and how he moved. So I started doing it and I won't Uh. do it it on the interview, but I started doing it I was doing it out in life. And like you kind of, you know, you take out your impediments out and like see how it feels when you're walking down the street. And we were having lunch with my friend and we were across the street from the comedy store and I had a show that night there upstairs and I started crying so I'm like, I can't go upstairs. I can't talk. How can I do a show? So like when it was time for the scene, I was, I just, the, the, the improvisation was like, oh, I'm about to do my first uh, set on Conan or something, you know, something like that. And I was like losing yeah. my mind because I can't talk. And it, because it came, became real, you know, like wow. it becomes real for you. You're like, oh, this yeah. is real. When you, yeah. when I say count when it becomes something, real. count how yeah. many fucking pennies it is. Or yeah. really say something to yes. her. You know? We're not yeah. We're not playing it's like I'm fucking telling you to sit down, you know? Or you have a blue shirt. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, and I think, you know it's funny? I think you mentioned not only the corporate job, but I think also I think Indian culture in particular, like yes. it's not Ooh. I don't like my wife wa- like my wife's like, I don't think I've ever seen you cry. I'm like, I'm not a big cry. like oh. on stage I'll cry like I just don't and it's not even like a conscious thing, like I'm t- hold it together. It's like I just don't it's weird yeah. like on stage. I can cry. No problem. But like in real life, like I just, it's not a thing. And it's, yeah, you know, my, I've never seen my father cry. I don't think ever, you know, wow. it's like, it's just not a, I don't know.
1: I don't know what it is for me. I just think I, I think it is Indian culture. My dad's very emotional. So I've seen that, uh, tears and everything. I think there's something about the way I was raised. It's like the women have to keep their composure mm. all the time. Um, so, when I finally got to break down crying in class, I was like, "You mean I'm allowed to cry? I remember that interesting I'm allowed to cry, and it's just like, I guess sometimes when I cried growing up, it was like stopped because it was like wherever I was, friends or whatever hey,
0: stop crying or you're telling your yourself. burden,
1: yeah, your burden you're you're trying to take a lot of attention, but the problem with that is it can build up in you, whoever you are guy, girl, whatever um." And that's not healthy either. You no. got to get it out some way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd been in boxing classes or karate classes or something because anytime I do something like that now, it's it's very helpful to get whatever that energy is out. Yeah. Some people cry it out. Some people anger it out. Some people, you got to get it out. You
0: got to get that. Yeah. Some physical expression of it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So now you're deep into acting and then kind of moving into like role of a lifetime where oh. you, as uh, Seema and deem on Daredevil, and it truly like, it was the first time, and I was like, I, I've never really, I, maybe because being multiracial, like I don't, I never am like super yeah. conscious of race, so I always feel like an outsider no matter what. But yeah, I, I watched it and I went, that is the first legit Indian American couple I've seen on screen, like not a bullshit, oh. like okay. He's like, you know, you know what I mean. Like not, Slurpees, like yeah. yeah, Slurpees or the the awkward doctor, or it's a shtick. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, right. I'm, these are real people, and like right. their ethnicity is not the character. Like they yeah. are characters, and they happen to have this ethnicity. Cool. Tell us about that process. What was that like getting into, uh, even just the whole casting process? I'm sure oh, would probably okay. fascinating.
1: And I was. Um... You know, I think uh, any actor will tell you that you just go and you audition and you do the best job you can and you learn your part at home and you work on your lines and your point of views and all those things. And you come in and you do the best job you can in that audition. And a lot of times you don't even hear anything back and you might be great for it, but they might have someone ahead of you or someone they already had in mind or they already gave it to a name or they... Uh, there's so many reasons why you will not get the part that are totally not even your fault. Like, um, and I think that's been the number one thing I've realized is that it has. N- I used to think it was just the most talented person who came <laughs> into the room, um, and just even talking to my friends who've worked in casting as readers and whatnot, they're like, no, there's just so many things that you cannot control um, about yourself. You're two inches too tall. You're two inches too. Short. It can't come up to. The girl that they've decided to cast is blonde, and you're blonde. You'd look like brother and sister, look gross as like, you know. I learned that in advertising. We would have people, the blonde girl might come in and do really great. They want her to be at the lead. Um, the the blonde guy might be the best actor of the day, but it looks like they're brother and sister, not a couple. Right. We can't cast both of them, unfortunately. So we picked the brunette guy, who wasn't as good, but good. Um, but these are the things that once um, I worked in advertising, I learned it was just such a, it, it was the kind of decisions that had nothing to do with, like, something you could have done differently. Right. Um, that I went in to Daredevil audition, and it was for the a day player, and it was such a, um honest, sweet scene. And when it's written well, you don't, I don't feel like I have to act, right? So it just kind of, the words just fell out of my mouth. Um, and it was about a woman who was out with her father, and Daredevil had saved them out of the blue, just out of... And my father and I were very close in real life. Uh, and so I didn't feel like I really had to act. I just went in for day player and I, I said the lines as if we had this incredible person just show up out of nowhere and help us and then magically leave. Which, how cool would that be in Hell's Kitchen, New York, right now? Right. Um, but um, the casting director, who was incredible, Julie Schubert, was like, wow, she was happy and she said um do you speak any hindi which i said no to which i should have never said no to but um i speak kannada and i had a couple friends that night coach me on some other lines because she thought that there might be another part that i might want to audition for which was the role of seema um and that role was two to three episodes originally and um the writers were just so cool and um i had a marvel executive i'll never forget this i think an episode 3 or something come up to me and say um I'm from Marvel, and of course, you know your body like changes. I'm like, oh my god, play it cool, Sunita, play it cool. Um, And they were just like, your scenes with Jay are stunning. We love what you're doing. We love the work Jay was doing such incredible work. It was so cool to just sit back and watch Jay do his thing. Yeah. Um, and they said we'd love to see more of you. Do you mind if we write you into more episodes? And I was like, how dare you? (laughs) I would never. Are you kidding? I was like, of "Of course you can write me. (laughs) So they, and they were all incredible. And, um, Eric Olson, who's the showrunner, he's just all about making people human. And that were, I mean, just the writers on the show and just everything that it stood for. It was so cool to be, I think we were like the first couple in the Marvel universe who were Indian. I don't know. I have to check that really check that. Cause I'm sure the fans will know the fans are amazing. Hashtag saved Our fans are amazing. <laughs> um, that was really like she. It was just all that the whole experience about just showing an Indian couple that wasn't also right, like traditional accents. Um, wasn't traditional. Oh, everybody's a doctor. Um, I loved that they were struggling with money, because uh, the community I grew up around in Florida, and I'm sure you know too, because you grew up around too. A lot of them are uh, Indians here, doctors and surgeons. Money's not problem right at all um so the fact that we were struggling and it had to do with a medical issue um because we'd helped um character with the with cancer i i just I don't know it was just it was uh it was really it was really cool it was really cool to have that experience as a as a human being and um i know more of it is going to come and i will tell you something else those amazing fans—they um, they noticed it too. That's what they really loved.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, uh, about and that...
1: How awesome they were, yeah.
0: Yeah, just just such a great arc, I think, and being able to see this character—you know, not have to give any spoilers, but like to see like, <laughs> the police station where you go. Yeah. Oh! You know, it's, yeah. it's a great. Yeah, I I loved it. Um,
1: he's a badass. He and also he's just like every girl's always like so obsessed. Like, what is he like? La la la. Um, they're not all like that, girls. <laughs> um, which I can understand. Very handsome. Uh, he's just the sweetest nicest most hardworking guy ever he's just I learned so much by because he had more experience than I did so I just kind of a lot of time just sit back and watched but um yeah ever since the moment the first table read Eric Olson came up to me and he was like you earned your role congrats he was like your audition earned your role it was one of the best feelings I've ever had and um, I knew that there were a couple Indian girls that were in consideration who are, like, as an actor, are more top tier than you, who have had much more movie roles or um, uh, TV roles or, um, you know, they're just they they just have more they have more than you right now at this point in their career, and they were they were also being considered. So the fact that I got it was just it was a dream come true. That's
0: yeah. awesome. And so now, okay. So you've been on television, doing your thing, and now getting into playwriting mm-hmm. uh, with "Sorry for palavi, which you also turned mm-hmm. into a film. Um, and we talked a bit about this uh, this kind of idea. How did how did this germinate? Where did this come from? The the original play.
1: So "Sorry for Pelavie" is an interesting story because in 2013. Um, I was in LA for about two or three months in Santa Monica and I just randomly got assigned to a roommate who ended up becoming friends. Um, but she was the exact opposite of me in like so many ways, which is great because you, I mean, I vibe with opposites. Um, you learn so much from each other. So she was like, very, like, she talked to a lot of boys (laughs) and like we'd go out and she had no problem like talking to seven or eight guys that night. And I can be really shy sometimes. Um, but she had like she was just very sexually liberated and like just like completely different upbringings and but that's why we vibed because she was so different and I learned so much just being around her. I love like, I mean, actors are people watchers, so I love like being around different people. And um, <clears throat> it's 2014. I came back to New York and it was winter, and I had a obviously a background writing TV commercials and um, for Heineken and Coke and all these products. And I thought to myself, well, I can do a 30 second spot. I wonder what I could do if I wrote a short play. And there was a class being taught um, by Wedwell Coxon uh, called Write That Play, and it was a four week class and it was for just short plays only. And I had a feeling that everybody in class would be writing very dark plays because it was winter and it's New York and people tend to gravitate toward the more darker plays. Um, So I thought to myself, you know, it's winter. It's New York. I get bummed out in winter in New York. So I'm going to write a comedy. And um, I'm really glad I did because I was the only person who wrote a straight up comedy. And the comedy was based on this roommate. And I thought to myself, what would be a really fun roommate for her to live with? That's the exact like opposite, but even more so. And I was like, my mother. So um, I put them together in kind of a buddy comedy uh, play about what to, um, about them hanging out. And then I was like, you know, it would be interesting if I put an Indian spin on this. So I thought, well, what if they're both Indian girls, kind of like Parent Trap, kind of like Broad City, kind of like, you know, two perfect strangers. What are their cousins? And um, so I wrote this play about them getting ready to go to an Indian wedding. And um, Promiscuous Pahlavi, who lives in LA, is a party girl. (laughs) And Traditional Thini, who's from India, are getting ready. And um, Traditional Thini promises Shrithianti that Pallavi will wear a sari. And Pallavi has promised herself that she will wear a sexy dress to make her ex-boyfriend jealous at this wedding. So it's a fight that's comedic about culture and um, all of these like thoughts that we should be or shouldn't be unraveling um, into one. And it's really also a fight that I kind of have had within myself as well. So that's kind of how it it got um, into a play. And then at the end of it, people were laughing, which is great. I was like, okay, this is good. People are laughing. Um, My teacher recommended me to uh, send it to the Samuel French Off-Off Broadway Festival. So um, we got to top 30, these 1,500 entries. We got to top 30, which I was super psyched about. So you get to put them on stage, which is so incredible. And then... We got to top ten out of the fifteen hundred. But if we had gotten to top six, I would have been published in Samuel French, which would have been amazing. But that didn't happen. But I'm not going to be hurt on myself because it was my first play. But it was it was such an awesome experience, is what I'm saying.
0: And top ten out of fifteen hundred. I mean, that's incredible. That's I'm, thank you. That's unbelievable. That's better than one percent. <laughs> uh, top top point oh, yeah, top point seven percent. And then you decided to turn this into a film. So not sorry for yeah. power V is uh, a film and you actually play both characters. What was that like? Is that, did you have to act against like a, just a, a random person and, and shoot yes. over the shoulder?
1: Yes. Uh, my brilliant director, Kate had actually suggested when I told her it was a fight between myself and myself, she said, why don't you just black Swan it and just play both characters? Because this is a fight between you and you. And I thought, Oh my gosh. Cause on stage, obviously I had to hire an actress to play the other role. So, uh we got a body double. My wrists are kind of thin. <laughs> it's funny because there's a part where we have to fight each other, <laughs> and the hardest part was to find a body double that could the have a the same size wrist um but we did, and yeah, it was really cool to be able to do that because I got to play two very different characters. It's almost farcical fighting each other um. And it, it also, I've joked with my friends, it's kind of like a one-woman show, taking a one-woman show on the road without having to actually take a one-woman show on the road. Um, if you're an actress and <laughs> you want to showcase a skill set. And my favorite comment has been some people have thought that it's two different actresses that they've hired for this. So That's awesome. that was, I was like, okay, okay, it worked.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you really got so. of get in each role. And, I, you know, I, I did a comedy sketch where I was this time traveler guy and I was three different people. And I, just remember, and I was looking back, like, that's a really dumb idea to film because it's a nightmare to <laughs> film. And so I'm just, like, staring at the wall, like, there's no, you know, because, like, the yeah. way the cameras are set up and there's all of us. So, like, I couldn't have actors. Yeah. So, like, what was that like acting with <clears throat> either someone that's not necessarily even an actor, or maybe just a, yeah. a random person? Like, what was that like having yeah. to emotionally kind of get to each each beat without being able to listen to their, their real response?
1: Well what's been really cool was I was it was in me with for a year right because it was just performed at Samuel French so it was for in me for a year the roles were living in me and then I was I changed it a little bit for the film because film and plays are very different um, and then when I got to set and I've written it too so I know these characters inside and out so that was a great deal of the homework when I got to set I I, I saw this on an interview once, too, because Larry David said he does it. And I'm like, oh, my God, one of my heroes does it. Like, okay. <laughs> he said that when he's going to break or laugh, he won't look at the person's eyes when he's reading lines with them. So I had my body double standing there, you know, looking at me for eye line, But he said he looks, like, right in the middle, um, just so he won't look into their eyes because he knows he's going to break. <clears throat> so I've used that tactic um, a lot now even in auditions and stuff if I've like really thought out the other character how I'm going to respond to them um, I do that I did that too in the in the play um, I mean in the, sh- in the in the filming of it I just kind of knew who Thini was when I was talking to her and I would just look at the middle of the forehead of the actress and who was my body double and just play against Thini And when I was Pulavi, I would do the same thing um, but it was just—it was also because it was in me for a year. Yeah. That's
0: great. That's a, that's a great yeah. tip, I think, because I, I, usually sometimes in <laughs> the breaking it's that eye connection. where you are like, don't look at oh me. Oh my don't god. Look at me.
1: Oh my god. And it's so true. I've done that in comedy things too before, where I'm like, do not look at me. I'm like, there's like a thing from uh, Eastbound and Down. There's like outtakes where Will Ferrell, oh my god, that is playing like a used car sales or no car salesman. Oh my god, it's so funny. But they can't—they can't look at each other because they're having so much fun. Right. And they have the giggles. They just can't do it. Um, so, yeah, my tactic is to do the forehead thing. That's
0: great. That's an actionable tip. <laughs> um, and actually, speaking of actionable tips, I know there were some books you wanted to talk about, even before you did the books. Um, sure. Something I always like to do in these interviews is ask, like, especially for people that are beginning, like, if you had to start yeah. over today and you're brand new, yeah. Like,
1: what
0: what would you do? Like, what would be kind of the – or what would you do differently or what would you do now with today's technology and, and different – avenues available like you're just a brand every, new actress out of college
1: every single person i've known that has like made it this is like the donald's the Azizes, um all of these people um it's one or two things one number one which i feel is the most important is they've all written their own stuff even sorry for Polly it was for fun for me it was just a fun little release for myself I cannot tell you the amount of traction. Like it just like hit the ground running. Like it it was almost like I had to catch up with it after I wrote it. Um, I got to cast myself. I got to write, say jokes that I wanted to say. Uh, I got to play not a stereotype. The whole point of Pulavvi was I've never seen an Indian girl play a slutty hoe bag dumbass. Like I've never seen like that right. kind of character. And I made it so farcical. Yes, it was based on a friend's like journey, but like then I just pushed it to the nines because that's what Broad City and all these things do. I've never seen an Indian girl play that kind of a role. I've only seen us go in for roles of doctors, lawyers, ambitious sla- doctors slash lawyers. I never got to see... So that was such a cool experience for me to be able to curse and like show a side of myself that I never... Because uh, people look at me a lot of times and they're like, you're not going to play comedy. And I'm like, watch Sorry for Pallavi. And then you'll you'll realize, like, yes, I can. Um, and then the second thing was they really, really, really knew their casting. They knew it inside and out. They know what they look like on camera. They know what they bring across. They know what kind of shirt brings out their personality. They know what kind of haircut brings out their personality. They know what kind of earrings for, I mean, it's just so specific with that casting that they know that they will go into that room and really have a chance to book the part. Um, so those are those are two like very important things that I wish I had, because people always told me, write your own stuff. All the books I'd read, Mindy Kaling, everything, write your own stuff. And I just was like, no, I'm an actor first. But the joy I've had from writing my own things has been incredible. I wish I could go slap myself in the (laughs) past and just make myself write something. Um, And then the other thing I would say is, really, honestly, you don't have to wait tables. You can, you absolutely can. And that's a way to make it living and that's wonderful. You can nanny, that's wonderful. But if those things aren't working out for you, don't be afraid to find a way to make money serving other actors serving other people in the business um something that will make you money in your sleep Mm. podcasts are amazing books are amazing things that are helpful to help others and then i have friends who just happen to be incredible at um building websites for other actors because they're an actor they know what they want to look at or not so um i would say like those kind of jobs that offer you a shit ton of flexibility so you can run to your auditions. Those are really important. And to just know that unless you got a sugar mama, sugar papa, all that stuff you got to, or sugar boyfriend or whatever, um, you got to really like find a way to, especially in New York, which is so expensive. And after a while, it's not cute living with seven roommates in Bushwick. Um, you got to find a way to really support yourself because, I just know, again, like we were talking about before, so many people burn out, you know? They just burn out, and it's... I can't begin... I mean, you were in classes, too. How many awesome people did we see in class who killed scenes? I mean, talking about, like... I was like, fuck, that's some Tony-fucking-winning award work right now. Oh, yeah. um, And they had to leave the business, you know, because they either they couldn't afford it anymore. Or so, so I would just say find a plan that works with your life so you can be in this for the long haul.
0: That's such a great point. And I mean, honestly, we you talk about like kicking yourself for the past, like that's what the content and that would be the big two mm-hmm. as well. Like, like, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, again, like you're totally right. Like if you like waiting tables, if you like do, nanny or if you if you genuinely if you're like great it, at it, Yeah, you're great at it, like, oh, that's awesome. But it's like, but yeah. if you're miserable and yeah. you're like, I don't know what to do. And especially, yeah. I, especially like if you're only right, like maybe you're not necessarily a performer, but yeah. you're like, okay, well, you... You don't need your days free. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to work the weekend shift at the restaurant because it's like you can write whenever. So it's like it's not not like an audition window, you know? And like yeah, I think it's the only reason I've been able to get back into stand up and all this again is just like oh, I'm freelancing now. So it's like yeah. oh, I have time because if you're in traffic three hours a day and yeah. your families or whatever, it's like you li- there's literally no time to like whatever block of time that is to perform. It's like oh, you're you're booked. You know? Yes,
1: yeah. It's, it's really really difficult. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such an important point. And that's the, kind of the point of this podcast, too, is, like, yeah, how to make your money and make your art. And, like, be, like you said, like, kind of build it around your life so that you can yeah. do this for the long haul. And it's, you're totally yeah. right, too. Like, the best, the funniest person I've ever performed with, I won't say his name, he sells, like, insurance or something in Chicago. Yeah. Like, could have been the next Bill Murray. Like, he was incredible. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I was like hey man, what, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know, yeah, I'm just working this. I gotta get up early. <laughs> oh my god, like what a tragedy, dude. It's a tragedy. I
1: love that voice. Yeah. I love that voice. Uh, you just just did. That's down. a great character. <laughs> you gotta work on it. That. That's gonna be the next, That's gonna
0: be my next play. Just yeah, yeah, that guy himself.
1: It's such a bummer. I mean, one of the greatest. I was, one night, I was at UCB and they were doing auditions for mad tv so this was like forever ever ever ago okay this woman i won't say who there were a bunch of them girls auditioning doing monologues this one woman came on her outfit was car keys and a coat long coat And her monologue was she was showing up at her husband's, um, they were divorced, they were recently divorced, her husband's Christmas party. He was like clearly a big wig and like whatever. And she was talking about the kids in the car and like it was so funny. It was dark. It fit her casting perfectly. We were all on edge watching her. She was magnificent she really was, I was like, this is, it was so funny and heartfelt and all the jokes landed and they were so smart. And I remember she finished and she left and I, we were all just, everyone in the audience was like, oh my God, and I was standing way in the back because I used to intern back then. And then another, there were a couple more went and another one had gone up, another girl had gone up and she had done a, a monologue. And you can really tell, right? Like, I mean, I know you've seen this stuff too. When someone has really thought out their character, Every second, every moment, still has a spontaneity, really grounded. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they, this girl wasn't. She didn't. She hadn't taken her time to really do what this other woman had done before. Cute, like short blonde haircut, whatever. And um, she did her her work, and it was clear she had forgotten some lines. And you know, and I just remember she walked off the stage, and I heard one of the executives say, "She's cute." And it was just like one of those moments where I was like, but the work needs to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, And that's... it's like, again, we were talking about our friends. There's so many people who I'm like, where did that one woman go? She had, She's decided to stop for whatever reason. But that was the kind of work that she did that night that I still think that uh, actors should aspire to. That was the kind of work that should stay in the game but unfortunately she didn't you know yeah. for whatever reason
0: and i think i think too especially acting is like always this feeling of like i'm auditioning i'm auditioning but it's like you didn't get in the do this to audition all the time so you want to create and so like yeah if you can have a sustainable lifestyle and then create the stuff you want to create it's like then you've got more opportunities for magic like i always yeah. i hate the phrase when people go oh they were at the right place at the right time it's like, well, mm-hmm. you have to do a lot of like you have to yeah. be in a lot of places at a lot of times. Yeah, if you never leave your house, you'll never be at that place.
1: You'll never <laughs> be the right
0: time. You know, like you have well, to be out there and doing your work.
1: Yeah, and oh, Oprah and a bunch of people say this also. Like uh, luck is opportunity meeting preparation. If you have that preparation in you, um, and you have finally the opportunity to read for somebody like a Spielberg or what, and you have that preparation in you,
0: then it's time. Yeah, then you've got it.
1: Ooh. You're gonna do it, you know. You're gonna do it. It's gonna happen for you. But if, what if you have the opportunity and you don't have, you know, the preparation in you? And there's an actors podcast I listen to quite a bit that's really helpful for I think all ranges of actors, beginnings um, and and later on's. And um, they say to train for it like an Olympic athlete. Mm. But once I heard that, I realized, yeah, some people like to ski. Like they, they do it for fun. They they like to ski. They're getting better at it, but whatever. But Olympic skier,
0: Up at five a.m. You're on the slopes, yeah. and
1: and that's why it's one one percent, I think, in SAG, who actually pays one to three percent in SAG, who actually pays all of their bills with yeah. acting. Yeah, it's it, it's the Olympics,
0: and I think and I think just taking that chance. There's a great I don't know if you've seen this interview with Will Smith where he was talking about getting the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh-huh. And, like, his rap career, had, like, he had had a couple albums out, but he was broke. Like, he got, I think he yeah. got sued or something. Like, he had no money. Oh, and he was at a, a party. I think it was, like, I think it was Quincy Jones' house.
1: Uh-huh. And somebody
0: was showing him the script. Like, yeah, it's this thing called the Prince of Bel-Air or something about the Bel-Air. And Quincy's like, hey, why don't we just do a, a reading right now? And he's like, what? Oh, wow. He's like, he's like push the chairs out. Push the chairs out. And he's, and he's like, no, I can't do this. And he goes, do you want to change your life? And he went and they did uh-uh. the scene and he signed a contract right there. He had to, he had like had his lawyer go make a contract and come back to the party. Oh like, I was like, that's cr- like, that's out of a movie. Yeah. It's like, that actually happens. Yeah. So that pre- that preparation, you need to have it. Otherwise it's like, ugh.
1: Right. Um, and you need to be preparing at home and reading. I mean, like pilot season, you need to be finding those scripts online. They're available. You need to be reading through those scripts, seeing what parts you're right for. I mean, it's a lot of homework. And again, we have outlier stories where someone someone just happened to look like the part of the crazy biker dude because mm-hmm. he was standing somewhere in Santa Monica homeless and had like, you know, tattoos. And someone was like, hey, you. Yes. That happens once in a while.
0: One one, one in a million.
1: What? But like the longevity of it? No. (laughs) It's a process.
0: And speaking of homework, there's a book you wanted to recommend, uh, The Artist's Way.
1: Yeah. Um, The Artist's Way is written by Julia Cameron. Uh, I 100% recommend it to anybody who has decided to go into any artistic profession. Um, one of my favorite parts of it is going on an artist date. So you have to go on a date by yourself to see, uh, art that you are interested in. So for instance, if you want to be a guitar player, you have to go by yourself. It can be anywhere. It can be to a big concert. It could be somewhere, uh, a small coffee shop and just watch a person play guitar. Um, same thing for actors. And, um, the whole thing is to just watch the process, have it inspire you. But really, if anyone is looking to just do any more artistic work in their life, I just can't begin to describe how much this book has super helped me um it just makes you do the work in a really fun way
0: so, that's awesome yeah well this is always a pleasure chatting uh, yeah this is one of my it's probably my favorite podcast that we've done so far
1: oh it's so fun
0: everyone else is oh thank true. you people call me up hey man what's <laughs> wrong with my podcast bro they know it was me i, I was <laughs> but awesome thank you so much for being on thank and you. we'll put those links uh, oh and also uh i know we didn't get to talk about this yet You do uh, monologue writing for actors. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite things is um, so many people have natural essences about them. And we had talked about this, we had done this uh, Sam Christensen program a while ago, but we got essences about ourselves. For some reason, I don't know why, I tend to play voice of dissent really well. um, But I basically, like a sketch artist can sketch a person. I can sketch people kind of with monologues. And I did this at Labyrinth, and the more people asked me to do it, um, and the more of them, like one of them got a legit agent at uh, Abrams. Another one have, has gotten a, a legit agent and a voiceover agent and a commercial agent. Another one booked two or three plays off of it. Um, I just write a monologue based on natural character essences of the person, like what I could actually see them playing um, without actually having to act too much. Um, and it's just something that you do for 60 seconds. So, um and you can put on your Instagram or whatever. But it's just—it's better than just having just a headshot. It's kind of like a walking, talking headshot. It's called Monologue Tailors. And um, yeah, you can reach me at sunita the writer at gmail.com. And on um, Instagram, I'm lucky at lucky sunita.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, guys, reach out. We'll put those links in the yeah. show notes as well. Uh, my Indian sister, always a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Namaste. Indian
0: brother. <laughs> Namaste. Happy right. Fourth. Happy Fourth of July. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, this will be out on <laughs> uh, video and audio,
1: so check us out and be sure to subscribe. And thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks.